Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. Three o'clock hours here. We get to some uh, primetime hockey talk in less than five with uh, Darren Millard from the Golden Knights, part of AT&T. You ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Headlines at three. Let's do it. It's time for the three presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Familiar face back to uh, fill out some of the safety needs. Not sure what this means for uh, Johnny Abram, but Carl Joseph, 14th pick, 2016 draft, former Raider, now a current Raider. He just got signed in the last half hour or so, or at least it was reported in the last half hour. He visited yesterday. He's in the fold, so Carl Joseph is back with the Raiders. You know, in the world of college basketball, John, uh, be careful what you wish for. Uh, I think there were a lot of Cincinnati fans when Mick Cronin left for UCLA who were like, hey, we kind of petered out. We weren't winning in the NCAA tournament. Let's move onward and upward. John Brannon was hired from Northern Kentucky. He's gone. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be looking for a new coach. And, you know, I know college basketball can be very regional. You know, we see this. Uh, people in the Northeast, the South, the Midwest, they have no idea what Gonzaga is, who they have coming back. No clue, right? Um, most people are concentrated on their own market. So UNLV fans all the time are like, there's nowhere like this place with the coaching issues and the lack of continuity. Cincinnati right now is feeling very much like UNLV. Mm-hmm. Very much. Because they're like, we, this is Armageddon, man. Because now their roster is being pillaged. Brandon's out. Now they got to find a new coach. By the time the guy gets in there, everyone's in the freaking transfer portal, and then you got to build a whole new team. All they need to put the cherry on top is for a coach to come in, say he'll take the job, get on a plane, go back, and and then get an extension. That would be crazy, right? Yeah. That would be, yeah. be pretty nice. Like Mick Cronin did <laughs> right. to us here in Las Vegas. Um, is Pat McCaw going to hook on with someone before the end of the season? He was waived? Uh, yeah, he was waived today. Look, Steve, he's three-time champ, and all he knows is win. So <laughs> yeah. I would think that he is going to be a solid piece for any team. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know how much he adds. Had a really good run at the beginning of his career. Knee injury has limited him to five games. He hasn't really played that much uh, the last few years for Toronto. So, And he's been, by the way, he, it wasn't even like a perfect stint with Toronto. He was, uh, I think he had a stint where he played with Cleveland or another you know, other team before he came back. So I think we'll probably see him catch on potentially somewhere, but I wouldn't expect a lot from him. We have uh, some movers and shakers in the Masters. Uh, Rose is in at seven. Yeah. Uh, Harmon, Zalatoris, six. Spieth, five. What's happening? So, so Leishman, I think what I was tracking, uh, your boy has a ticket on Hideki Matsuyama, and he was one of the few guys that is near the top of the leaderboard finishing out his round uh, recently. Gets a birdie on 15 after missing an eagle putt by an inch, then doubles 16 and pars out. So kind of a rough end for Hideki Matsuyama. He was staring at 6-under, so he goes into tomorrow at 4-under. But three strokes off the leader ain't bad, especially considering Justin Rose, how um, I would say – Hot and cold, Rose can be with his putter. He can be extremely good one night, and then, you know, the next day just completely fall apart on the greens. What do you do the rest of the weekend in terms of betting? You can jump back in? Uh, personally, no. I'm going to sit around. You can bet, like, round-to-round matchups, obviously very available. Um, that I know a lot of people will jump in fading certain golfers after, the, you know, a couple of rounds to see what their game is like. 
look at some of the numbers and see who's due for some regression, who's not. You know, again, a guy like Justin Rose, when you look at some of the stats uh, on what he's been able to do, you know, in terms of his scorching putter, you would think that that would regress to the mean and maybe a matchup to play against him, against a guy who's got some regression positive coming toward him uh, in the next few rounds. Got a lot of baseball talk coming up. We'll get into some of the big stories of the week, and most of them have been off the field. Uh, actually, no, there's been a bunch on the field, but it's controversial stuff. Um, a lot of people losing their minds here in the first week. We got one final in. The Rays take out the Yankees 10-5. to We'll get to the judge story. That's a weird one. I'm not exactly sure what the hell is going on in New York with Aaron Judge, but, uh, yeah, Tampa today moved to 3-4. and four. Yankees drop to 3-4, and four, and uh, – Leading the way for the uh, Rays was uh, Adamas with a, a home run, so a big victory there, 10-5. to 5. Quick timeout. We get to uh, Darren Millard in the world of hockey from uh, AT&T Sportsnet. we got more uh, Masters scoreboard updates. And, of course, uh, stick around. About 90 minutes from now, the legend Dave Koken is in on how he's going to bet the Masters this weekend and also uh, his take on all these crazy baseball stories like the uh, wacko Mets and Marlins game yesterday on a walk-off hit-by-pitch. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Baseball's off to a rousing start. Just told you about the uh, Yankees falling today, blown out by the Rays. They got their situation with Aaron Judge. We'll hit that. But we got a week of uh, Dusty Baker whining because the fans are being mean to the Astros. He's like, that's bad for America. Fans should look in the mirror. Who are they? All right, Dusty. Uh, Then we got the umps, well, the home plate ump, screwing up the Mets-Marlins game where Michael Conforto, you know, pops the elbow out, gets a hit by pitch on a strike call. And it's a game winner. And then the ump after the game is like, I blew that. Yeah. Well, and that was the weird part was not only did he, after the game, say that he blew it, but he, like, in the middle of the moment, looked like he was going to call him out. And then, like, uh, uh, no. Yeah, go ahead. Take your basis over. <laughs> uh, but afterwards, he did come out and say that he, he blew it. Uh, Ron Culpa. Correct. It's one of those plays. We looked at the video afterward, and it's one of those plays where it looked like the guy was hit. He was hit by the pitch in the strike zone. The guy was hit by the pitch in the zone. I should have called him out. When asked if there was anything that could be done to make it right, he said, quote, that's it. I mean, it's the way it went down, and there's nothing more than that. So he admitted it. You like it? Or should he be fired? Well, I don't know if he should be fired. I mean, should there be some sort of reprimand? Like, should he be reprimanded in some way? Should he have to, you know, call minor league games or do whatever? Or something. There should be something because you should know the rule. But and I do I do love the transparency, the full disclosure, because we've had the opposite way too much in baseball. You've got – I guess there was a reel out the other day of Angel Hernandez so far in the season and all his blown calls. Oh, yeah. And how bad he is. Come on. And that guy's coming off, uh, you know, finally his case against Major League Baseball ended where he was suing him for discrimination, yep. which what a bizarro work situation, right? I mean, we all have the right to go after our employer, and we all have the right to not get fired because we go after our employer, but in a position like umpire. You should probably not suck if you're going to go after your and that's And that's the problem is that he is terrible. Now we've got more and more video proof of how bad he is as we get better and better replay. 
He's dreadful. The other day he called an Angels-Astros game. His, his correct call rate was 82%. And there's a great still frame of the, the reel that you're talking about with just fist in the air like this, and the ball is like a foot outside of the strike zone. And you're just like, what are you doing, man? Yep, yep. By the way. Whoever made that reel. Racist. 82% <laughs> accuracy. Racist. Should also point out, too, because we don't want to just kill the one ump who got the, the Mets Marlins. There's three other umpires on the field. Yeah. How do you not step in and to and like none of them knew the rule and, and to tell them to properly apply it? Like, that's pretty bad. You got a broken system as well if replay is not employed. Right. In that situation, that would be an easy one. Of course. On a game winning play. And, you know, Shouldn't, was, you know what? Shouldn't I, I don't even know all the rules in baseball, so I don't, I'm, I'm going to plead ignorance on this. I would think that every run-scoring play should be reviewable like the NFL. Every touchdown is automatically reviewed. Every turnover and every scoring play reviewed automatically. No, I'm with you. And, you know, I was even listening to the, uh, you know, the Fangraphs has a great podcast, and they were talking about that too, like why you can't in a situation like that go back and look when it's extremely important. You know, a missed strike call in a third inning is not, you know, not as high leverage a situation as, that call at the end of a game, which literally decided the outcome of the contest. Well, you know why. Why does that exist in baseball versus the other sports? Because the umps have more power. And I'm a pro-union guy, but the Major League Baseball umpire is out of freaking control. And there's no doubt in my mind there are people in the union who go back to the last major dust-up when the umps were walking, and then a bunch of them quit, and Major League Baseball is like, okay, Resignation accepted. You're never coming back. Some did come back, but many that was it. Yeah. A lot of the old guys who were like, you know, flexing their muscles, like, you resigned. You ain't coming back. But you know, there are some old timers who were like, oh, okay, yeah, like I'm never gonna forget that. So that's the problem is the the uh, the umps have a, a ton of power, and every one of these different levels of review that they try to add, they're gonna push back, yep. which is, which is just horrible because the reason you get in, I, listen, I. The money, I'm sure, is great. It is. But ultimately, the reason you get into it is to be involved in sports. The love of the game. And, and, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. You should have a love of the game. You should have a love of not really being visible. You do a great job. We don't know you're there. Right? That moral arbiter of the game. Mm-hmm. But instead, you got some of these guys, I mean, led by Joe West, who is way too no, long in the tooth. Don't want to be ageist here. But he's not qualified to ump anymore. Now, now he's just doing it. Last year, they are like, hey, listen, for your health, don't do it. And, yeah, he's doing his anti-mask stuff, um, and he's trying to break a record Like rather than what's the most important thing for the game right. that is called correctly, the integrity remains, not that you get to work for 75 years, not that you guys will fight every improvement in replay and say, you know, it infringes on us, it makes us look bad. Don't worry about it. All right. And then you don't care about the game. There you go, John. Does Trevor Bauer care about the game too much? I think so care about his game too, too much. much. Uh, he is already being investigated for possible cheating. Um, Ken Rosenthal had a great piece wrote in the Athletic about everything that the uh, Major League Baseball's commissioner, Major League Baseball Commissioner's Office, has collected a few balls from Trevor Bauer's last start. He went six and two thirds against the A's, had a really solid outing, uh, but they have taken some of his balls and brought them back to the office to investigate them for a potential foreign substance. Steve Cofield. Here's the thing, Trevor Bauer comes out on Twitter, defends himself, I guess, says in part, always fun reading, desperate and misleading, clickbait headlines from national gossip bloggers to translate fake journalists speak for 
it's unclear whether equals I can't be bothered to look into this because it doesn't fit my narrative. I don't know. He's kind of going on a weird tweet storm. Um, but it's weird because he called it a clickbait headline, but it's all true. And it's also from Ken Rosenthal, one of like the most reputable baseball reporters that are out there. Case in point, Trevor Rosenthal, Trevor Bauer, I should say. I keep saying Rosenthal. Trevor Bauer, totally cheated. His defense makes no sense. He's clearly peacocking and trying to throw you off the scent. He does nothing to defend himself. All he does is say that it's a clickbait headline, when in reality it's actually true. They collected your balls to test them out to see whether or not you've been cheating, bro. Visible markings Mm -hmm. and stickiness. It's also pointed out, too, very well. Uh, that Trevor Bauer, who, if you remember, there was that, for those who don't remember, um, there was that um, weird thing where Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole went to Houston and all of a sudden the spin rate on their pitches was just, like, astronomically better. And uh, all of a sudden, over the last year, Trevor Bauer's spin rate has just gotten, like, right. way but better. But he was out the front of the line calling guys out. Yeah, correct. Hi, so, Trev. Hi, Trev. Yep. <laughs> well, now you're getting watched, so here we go. You want to be that vocal? This is what's going to happen, too. You know, he's a very vocal guy. I, you know, a lot of people, I don't, I don't know enough about him to dislike him. I definitely don't like him, right? Would have liked him if he was wearing red and white. But regardless, you're going to speak out this much. There's going to be a magnifying glass on you. So hopefully you didn't do anything wrong, bro. Right now, Dodgers, home opener, ring day, one nothing, top eight against the Nats. Bueller went six, threw 90 pitches. He's out. Bullpen starting to... <laughs> Get a little scrambled here. Nothing across yet, but they've had some trouble in uh, allowing runners on base. Two outs, Washington's up, and they have first and third. Uh, I saw someone roll a video of Justin Turner coming out to get his ring, and it was all cheers. And I think the person, without saying anything, maybe they were expecting some booze for Turner? Yeah. Did you? you? Not really. Off of the COVID stuff last year? No, they don't care. They won the World Series. (laughs) <laughs> right, like, why would why would anybody in those stands care? But like, he was irresponsible and selfish. Of course. We hate him. <laughs> Local baseball fans are very forgiving, especially when you win a championship. Well, especially fan base like the Dodgers, right? Like, who feel like they have been cursed for forever. This is like their ninth year of dominance in a row, and they have one World Series title to sell for. Of course they're not going to care. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. You're listening to Cofield and Company, uh, uh. live at the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside Treasure Island. What type of games being played? How's it going down? It's all to the score that I got to know now. Is you with me or what? Think I'm trying to get me a nut. Cause honey's want to get me the buck. I'm politicking with this chicken, wondering if I'm a creeper. All right, rolling on. Just past the uh, halfway point. We're getting up to the halfway point of the show. We're going to do our path to the draft, talk a little Eagles as the Eagles are up next. So we go all the way up to number one. We started at uh, number 32 with this countdown. We're live today. TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Great place to watch the Vegas Golden Knights game tonight. Got the collectible glass you can get on special. Great beer menu, awesome food menu. The base is loaded nachos. John was a little while ago was ready to go. I held, him, I held him off. And the bison burger. Ma, I love that thing. Medium rare? <laughs> rare, bro. You got to be careful with the bison. You overcook it, it dries up. Of course. I mean, with any meat, but the bison especially. Very, very fickled meat. Got to be nice to it. Got to caress it. Love it. 
Are you okay today? And I'm serious. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. All right. I figure you're down in the dumps a little bit. It's a bummer. Over, over DMX. How, how you feeling? Explain. Oh, it sucks. I he's uh, when he came out like his first album it was like my junior and senior year in high school, and like that's all I remember. Like musically, like that was just everyone at all times was listening to his first album, which is called "It's Dark and Hell Is Hot," which you just heard a cut, actually cut from his second album just now. But uh, yeah, it's just the more the more I think about it, and also now that I'm older, and you know. He's not that old. He's 50, and so there's a lot. There's a lot going on for me. I like that. I like that. He's not that old. That makes me feel good. He's not that old, yes. He's not. No, I mean, obviously, <laughs> for me, it's quite sobering. He's younger than I am. Yeah. But he lived, he lived a, a rough life, uh, you know, addiction issues. Uh, but I'm finding out, as I often do, because I'm not the biggest music fan, and I really wasn't especially, uh, you know, growing up and even in my 20s and 30s. And oftentimes when musicians, entertainers pass away, that's, for me, that's when I start learning about them, which is sad. It sucks. I should appreciate him more while they're here. And if you don't know, DMX uh, passed away, and he's had a, a lengthy battle here and um, you know, was struggling badly for the last week. And then there was the, all the stuff. I know this annoyed you, Ari, that people kept jumping you know, every, every six hours. Like, he's, he's passed, he's passed, he's passed. You know, his age, the age and his reps, his family. It's just like, come on, when he passes away, report it then. Let's stop trying to be the first. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, wow, like, nobody cares about anything but just being the first, even if it's fake news. So uh, I was actually with Angel when we saw something on Twitter, and we're like, oh, man. And then it all came out that it was fake. That was, like, last night. So. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, I know the, uh, the significant other was very much into uh, DMX, so she was, she's upset today. Adam Hill's coming up later on. He's going to talk about DMX. Talk. He's going to talk, what, DMX, UFC, VGK? All three. All three. After 5.30. You all right? Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, like I'm not. I uh, I am not a big music person either. I enjoy hip hop very much. I would I would say that it is my favorite genre of music, but I'm not well educated on a lot of it. I do know who DMX is, obviously, and sure. I know his catalog, and I could because he's got such a distinctive I was gonna style. Say, certainly recognizable. Right. I was going to say he's got such a distinctive voice and style that you know any time a DMX song comes on. Uh, but obviously, you know, I don't really connect as much with him as like Ari would. You know, Ari said his first album came out. I was seven when his first album came and out. And Ari is kind of an old guy. Yeah. He is in that demo. 50 teen, you know, as we've talked about. So, but like, I, <laughs> you, don't, you don't really know, but then every once in a while you find out, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. DMX was your guy. Right. But it, it's clearly, to me, what connected was two things. One, obviously just enjoying him as an artist. But the other was the lengthy battle that you talked about and just how dragged out this was and just what that should, would be like personally and, you know, for the family. It's just a, kind of a sad story. No easy way to segue from a, a guy passing away. Uh, you said you were not into music. You know what else you're not into? Mac Jones. No. And I'm not really into him. And Emmanuel Acho on FS1, I, I thought laid it out perfectly. I don't – I think this is a game that the Niners are playing. This vibe that – Hey, uh, Mac Jones is a safe choice. You know, Justin Fields. I mean, there, I guess there's a way to look at it where – but it just seems to be like – like you would think about a veteran free agent like this or maybe a second-chance guy like this where it's like, well, you know, he's got a safe floor versus big upside, right? So it seems like to me Mac Jones is a backup quarterback who may be, you know, the 22nd, the 30th starting quarterback in the league when he's in the league three or four years while Justin Fields can be a top-10 quarterback in the league. But here's Acho talking about it, and he's like, listen, uh, for Lil Shanny, 
this seems it's it's bizarro here. Like you have a guy in Jimmy G. Why are you just getting a younger Jimmy G? Jimmy G is a major beneficiary of scheme, Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Kyle Shanahan does a phenomenal job creating passing lanes, mismatching his offensive players on your defensive players to make sure Jimmy G wins. Matt Jones is a beneficiary of tremendous talent. Reminding you all, mm-hmm. Matt Jones played with Jerry Judy at the end of last season, first-round pick. Henry Ruggs, first-round pick. Devontae Smith, first wide receiver to win the Heisman since Desmond Howard. And Jalen Waddle, about to be a top 10 or top 15 pick. Matt Jones is a beneficiary of talent, while Jimmy G is a beneficiary of scheme. Nailed it. Yeah. And I, I really, I, and I'm, if Kyle Shanahan's really considering him and not playing some sort of game, and I guess it could be fun to play the game, hey, we've got control at three. We know Lawrence. We know Wilson are gone. So we have our choice with Mac Jones or Justin Fields or Trey Lance or whoever else you want to name. We've got our choice. Let's have some fun with this. And maybe they, you know, or, or this next workout, they're like, all right, we were teetering. Woo, Justin Fields is awesome. Well, he, he's the guy. But if the mentality is, hey, this works for us with Garoppolo, Jones can be a Garoppolo, but essentially we're turning back the salary clock. Let's just go with that. Man, I think that's short-sighted. Uh, well, especially if you're trading assets to do it, right? Like if you're moving that much, if you're moving heaven and earth to just reset the cap, like that's that's not what's happening. And here's the thing, like we're just – this is a topic of conversation because we assume, right? Like the collective we assumes that San Francisco wants Mac Jones because they showed up at his pro day when Justin Fields had a pro day on the same day, despite the fact that Shanahan had seen Fields throw in person already. And that they're going to see him again or whenever the pro day is or, or they saw him again, right? Whatever it is. It's coming up. It's coming up. So yeah. they're going to see him again. You do your due diligence. This is what happens all the time. And it's also been pointed out, if you like, when they drafted Bosa on the pro day, they sent the scouts to go see Bosa. <laughs> like, like we, I, I think it was just this big deal over the pro day when in reality you don't trade up that much capital to go get a Mac Jones and what he projects to be. That's the insane part. That's the insane part. If the rationale is, hey, we're just going to get a young Jimmy Garoppolo, what are you doing? Right. Why are you trading up? Why are you giving up future assets? They could have totally gotten them where they were. Oh, my God. But we do this all the time. And I I, I also, there's part of me that feels like they're just having some fun with this, and they're going to wind up taking fields. Of course. I think they are, too. And I I will remind everybody every time. A week before the draft, Justin Herbert was a Dolphin. There was the report that Herbert was the apple of the eye for Miami. That's who they've wanted all along. And now Tua Tungavailoa is potentially, I don't know, on the way out. Who knows? But I just know that we see this all the time in the draft. You don't believe what is reported prior to the draft until the pick is in. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Tell them your name, Philly, 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 and what you do when. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. Brought to you by Battle Board Injury Lawyers. Need legal advice? Call 570-9000. Number 12 pick is up. Cofield, JBT's here. TI, Golden Circle, Sportsbook and Bar. And Dave Spadaro covers the Eagles at Eagles Insider on Twitter. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. How are you tonight? We're good. We're very good. Good. Uh, first of all, let's get into uh, the sports story of the day, or is it? Do you care about the Masters? Um, I'm a tennis guy. You know, I used to play a lot of golf. 
Okay. And then I reached like a 17 handicap, and then I kept practicing, practicing, practicing. And then I hated it because I couldn't get any better. So <laughs> I, I, I just don't really, I just, I'm not really that into golf. But, you know, I, I appreciate the, the, the magnitude of the event, and I'm glad that it's being played this year. There you go. Yeah, actually, it's a sign of normalcy, so that's, that's a good thing. All right, uh, what's the vibe around the Eagles in terms of normalcy? Because, um, I, mean, I mean, it was a busy offseason in terms of the trade with Carson Wentz, but it's not like they've been out there, you know, spending oodles of dollars on free agents. Yeah, so, uh, so it's interesting, and I'll, I'll address it in a couple of ways here. Um, number one, it's, a, it's a, a stark example of how quickly things change in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Eagles win the Super Bowl February fourth, two 2018, and the next year going into the training camp, regarded as the best roster in the league. A couple of years later, they're four eleven and one, and and looking to rebuild a roster that has gotten old, that has gotten stale, and with very little, you know, bullets in their guns to, to, to have a horrible phrase, but just weapons in their arsenal. I mean, they don't have a lot of cap room, so they're not signing free agents. So what they've done is they've they've gone the trade route. They traded Carson, get themselves. You know, a couple of draft picks from Indianapolis, one of which could be a first-round pick next year. And then they move back six spots in round number one from 6 to 12 and pick up a number one next year from the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, every team goes through the dips in the NFL, and we'll see how quickly the Eagles come out of it. The good organizations come out of it very quickly, and the only way the Eagles are going to do that is through the draft, and they've got a lot of draft picks these next two years. Ultimately, will they regret getting rid of Wentz? Uh, Does he get back to what we thought he was with the Colts? I can't look into my crystal ball and tell you. Um, <laughs> Indianapolis has a great offensive line. Yeah. They've got weapons. You know, Carson played really poorly last year, uh, has been injured quite a bit. In 2017 was just amazing, dynamic, playmaker, made things out of nothing. It was the best quarterback I'd ever seen in a single season with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I've been there for 30 years. So um, can he get back? You know, I, I like Carson. I wish him the best of luck, but... Uh, he did not play very well at all in 2020. What do they target at 12? You know, I mean, to me, like, to me, you go best player on your board, obviously. But if my best players, if I've got two players who are pretty equal on my board and one of them is a wide receiver and one of them is a cornerback, I, coming from the Andy Reid school of draft, I go cornerback. I feel like you can get wide receivers later in the draft. And I'll argue to anybody, name the last team that had a first-round pick, great superstar, out, outrageous, best-in-the-game receiver, and win a Super Bowl. You know, you, you can develop receivers later in the draft. So we'll see how it plays out, but they should have an opportunity with all these quarterbacks going early you know, to get a premier defensive player, whether that's a cornerback or a defensive end. You know, Sertan and, and J.C. Horn are going to be one of those guys should be there, and we'll see what else filters through. And guess what? If the Eagles want to move back up into the top ten, they've got plenty of ammunition to do so. You know, I think too. I think a lot of people, right, are assuming it's going to be wide receiver, uh, Dave. But I also think it's the type of wide receiver that's available, right? Like they just drafted Jalen Rager. I would think another like five eleven type guy and a Jalen Waddle, if he were there, wouldn't be the selection, right? You know, I don't know. I, I've always kind of gone. Look, and the Eagles could very well go out and get a wide receiver. Prove me wrong, but. When I think of drafting multiple wide receivers in, in consecutive years and yeah. over a period of time, I think of the Detroit Lions. I just don't buy it. I don't believe in it. Now, could they use a wide receiver? Absolutely. they got a bunch of young guys. We'll see how they develop. If you can get a premier talent, always help. Look, they're going, 
They got a young quarterback potentially here in Jalen Hurts. You want to build around him, no doubt. I just feel you can get wide receivers later in the draft. But certainly, there are some very, very talented ones at the top of this first round. Dave Spadaro covers the Eagles at Eagles Insider up on Twitter. Is there any way if one of the you know top four quarterbacks, top five, uh, slipped down to 12 that they would be titillated enough to take a, another future guy at quarterback at 12? You know, I, I would tell you the indications that the, the trade to me told me that the Eagles didn't feel like they could get, if they really felt that they wanted to get a quarterback, one of the real premier targets. So by moving back to 12, it kind of takes you out of that range. Um, you know, is I, I don't even know a name, but, but is, is, is um, Justin Fields going to drop all the way to 12? I mean, if he's there, I mean, I think everybody considers it at that point, but Right. Uh, I, I just don't see. Is, is Trevor Lawrence going to slip all the way to twelve? <laughs> uh, no. How about a Mac Jones? Yeah. How about a Mac Jones? I don't, Jones know. I don't, know. I don't or... know how they feel about Mac Jones. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I don't. Is Mac Jones better than what you've got? That's that's ultimately the determination to make. Eagles used a second round pick on Jalen Hurts last year. Yeah. So if you believe that much in him, you better give him a shot to succeed. Tell us why they do like Jalen Hurts. I, I was going to say so much, but why do they like Jalen Hurts? You know, really poised. Big arm, smart kid, great athlete, can hurt you in a lot of ways. And the truth is that last year, without preseason games, without taking many reps at all in the regular season practices, he went out there and, and did a great job against the Saints and beat them, had huge numbers against the Cardinals, and the Eagles lost that game late. Um, you know, the Cowboys game, the first half, he was dynamic. The Eagles had a nice lead there, and then it fell apart. Too many turnovers, no doubt. And then game number four is started against the Washington football team with a, a, a absolute, like, third string all the way around offense. The Eagles were leading that game late in the second quarter, and Hurts went out at the end of the third quarter. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a talented kid. He's a winner. He's, he checks a lot of boxes. He's a leader. And it, does he have to get better? Absolutely. Did he, did he turn the ball over too much last year? For sure. But, you know, your school of thought in the NFL is you either win with a super, super, superstar quarterback or you take a quarterback who may not be quite at that level, but you build around him. So how will Jalen Hurts do if the offensive line comes back intact, if the Eagles add a weapon at wide receiver, if Miles Sanders stays healthy at one? You know, they, have, they do have some pieces in place. Let's not forget, the Eagles dropped to 4-11-1, and it was a lousy year. But they had an unprecedented number of injuries. So if the Eagles handle the draft well, they do have an opportunity to move back into contention in a really bad NFC East. Let's go back to the end of last season. Is there any more conversation around the uh, – the, I, I thought it was nonsense. I thought the Eagles did the right thing by bailing on the game and worrying about the future and trying to obtain as much you know, positive draft capital as they could. Does anyone talk about that? Because obviously in New York with the Giants, they were pissed off and they whined like babies. Oh, yeah. Over it. yeah, for sure they didn't. Look, I understand that, but – I think with the way the Eagles' offseason has played out, with a, a change in head coach, a change in franchise quarterback, I think losing that game and, and moving from what would have been ninth, the ninth pick to the sixth pick is kind of down the list of topics of conversation, especially now that people have seen what the Eagles have done with that sixth pick. They turned it into a first-round pick next year from Miami, a better pick this year from a five to a four, and then moving down just six spots. So. It really, in Philly, it's not really a topic of conversation. Certainly it was for the 
week or two after that, but then the Eagles offseason became tumultuous. Dan Spadaro is with us. Uh, we're doing our path to the draft. The Eagles are up on the board with the uh, 12th pick. Of course, they traded out of the top 10 to, to 12. And, you know, the, the guy who was part of that decision about that last game and just saying, hey, like, the, the future is more important than the present uh, was Doug Peterson. What do you think happens to Peterson uh, this coming coaching cycle? Would you give him a job? Yeah, I mean, I think he'll take the year off, get refreshed, um, you know, revive his mind, fresh ideas. Doug's a he's absolutely going to be a head coach next year. I totally believe that. I mean, the guy won a Super Bowl and then took the Eagles to the playoffs in each of the next two seasons with a bunch of injuries. So there's not a lot of coaches that have that resume. He works the locker room well. He works the organization very well. He's great with the media, good demeanor, played the league for 13 years, knows what it takes to rejuvenate players. So I think Doug just takes a breather, which is a great thing, and comes back really fresh in 2022. So generally at the end of these spots over the years, I always say, hey, in Vegas we like to talk betting, but uh, my God, it's spreading across the country. I think Philly and Pennsylvania is turning into a a freaking crazy betting market, has it not? I think uh, on Sports Talk Radio there's a lot of betting talk, isn't there? I think everywhere there's a lot of betting talk, and for sure in Philadelphia. And um, it's what, in a lot of ways, look, I think it's interesting how the the NFL has embraced betting after all the years of (laughs) gambling not being allowed in the sphere of the NFL. There's some big, big dollars in NR Hills, and everybody's part of it. Of course, yeah. Uh, Believe me, the word interesting about how they embraced it is uh, interesting to us here in Vegas. We were the enemy for my first 20 yeah. years on Sports Talk Radio here, and all of a sudden now now, now they're really into gambling. So over under win total, and this is very early on, is 6.5. We now have a 17-game season, 6.5 over under wins. What do you think for the Eagles? Wow. Well, I mean, low, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously PhiladelphiaEagles.com. I'm more optimistic. I mean, I think the Eagles come back with a, potentially an outstanding offensive line. They're going to get Lane Johnson back and Brandon Brooks back and, you know, they found the left tackle that they really love in Jordan Malata. So the D-line's still solid. If you have those two things, you're you're going to be competitive. The schedule does not appear daunting at this point. I, I say bet the over on the Philadelphia Eagles and and understand that, that a lot of the reason for their decline last year was a an, just a remarkable amount of injuries. So I think they get healthy and they, they surprise a lot of people in 2021. You fired up for the, I assume, you know, since you're working for Eagles.com, that you would make the, the trip out to, to Vegas for the Raiders game. That's a good trip. That is a great trip. I can't wait to see the stadium. I mean, have you guys seen the stadium? I hear yes. it's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. Uh, limited media got to go into the stadium for both uh, a few college football games with UNLV and also the Raiders game. So it's, uh, right. it's, it's pretty impressive. And it's the, the bigger thing about it, Dave, is the location. Uh, people will be blown away because it's like it's right there adjacent to the strip. People can walk. Um, and they haven't yeah. even built up the district around it yet. It's going to be one of the cooler locations in the entire NFL. I'm so happy for you guys in the sports scene out there because you've got hockey and you've got you know, NFL and everything seems to be working fine, and it's just such a vibrant area. I mean, that's very cool for all of you to get in the pro sports scene and really make the most of it. I think that's fantastic. And by the way, the fact that Randall Cunningham, former Eagles great quarterback, is going to be in the second season as the pastor for the Las Vegas Raiders yeah. is yet another reason for me to go out and see my man Randall, there who provided go. the Philadelphia Eagles fans with a lot of great memories. Uh, I grew up in the uh, Jersey area, not a Giants fan, but a Jets fan, but I watched a lot of Randall. He was one of my favorite players. I still think as a natural talent, he's one of the greatest in the history of the NFL. Yep. Totally agree with you, and he just never made that step to 
great quarterback. You know, he had that one year with the Vikings, and they lost in the playoffs, and it just felt tragic that Randall Cunningham was robbed an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I also think if uh, philosophies uh, back then matched uh, more philosophies now, you know, embracing the guys who can get outside um, and, and quarterback tutelage, that yeah, uh, Randall, the level that Randall could have played at with, you know, today's offensive mindset would have been through the roof. Yeah, true. They spread the field now. They, they encourage quarterbacks to be mobile. Back then, it didn't seem like coaches, coordinators knew what to do with a mobile quarterback because everything was so pocket-centric. But I will say this, guys. With all of that said, if you don't win from the pocket in the NFL, you do not win. And, and so that's ultimately for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, as mobile as he is, he's going to escape pressures. You have to win from the pocket, a la Russell Wilson, a la... You know, other Patrick Mahomes, mobile quarterbacks who are who can beat you with the run when they get outside the pocket, but they also kill you when they are in the pocket, and that's where Jalen Hurts has to improve the most. Dave, that was an awesome spot. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. There he is, Dave Sodaro. Been covering the Eagles for a long time at Eagles Insider. Another name you could throw in there. You know, win from the pocket. Uh, I'll go back. You know, to Randall's era, Steve Young was as good as anyone getting out of the pocket and getting downhill. Great runner, but ultimately he won because of what he did in the pocket. Had some good weapons around him. But I'm telling you, uh, for folks who are a little bit younger, Randall Cunningham, when he was in his prime, uh, one he had a play for Buddy Ryan, who like did not know offense. He did, and, and like didn't even, wasn't even involved. Right. It was just like I'm all about the D. You do what you want on offense, and they never, they never had. A running game. They never had an elite running back. And they also had the misfortune. The NFC East was just ridiculous for like 15 years. Just a rotation of Cowboys with a kick-ass team. Redskins were good the whole time. Giants had their runs. And then the Eagles. That might be, if you look at a division all-time in a certain era for like, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, 8, 12, 14 years, that may be the greatest division top to bottom in the history of the National Football League. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.